Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, this is Kevin Kelly. Get ready for the latest episode of the Starimcast. Welcome to the Stardom Cast, your weekly audio source of all things World Wonder Ring Stardom. I'm your host, Rob Goodwin, and I am joined as ever by Mr. Matt Turner. Matt Turner, how are you, good sir? Rob Goodwin, I am fantastic, my friend. How's everything with you there, sir? It's not been bad. Um, unfortunately, we've had a bit of an issue with uh, one of our cats who uh, decided they wanted to... Uh, sort of tempt fate by uh, running in front of a car. Um, the car won. Um, um, thankfully, touch wood, he's, uh, he's okay. He's come away with it with um, nothing but a displaced pelvis, which I must admit I've never heard of before. But uh, he's thoroughly enjoying the extra attention. Um, he's been treated like an absolute princess. So uh, we are, at the moment, myself and my girlfriend, taking it in shifts to uh, to sit with him because we need to monitor his toileting and th- it's like having a very small child Matt if I'm being perfectly honest and uh, whilst all this is happening our other cat Fred um doesn't really understand what's happened and is wondering why his constant meowing isn't getting the attention it usually gets so uh, I'm wondering if I'm going to get a cat mutiny on my hands at some point in the next week but other than that everything is good what about you I'm glad your kitty's doing a little better. I know you texted me the other day and told me what happened. I was like, oh, geez. Oh, geez. And, of course, I told my wife, who uh, we have two cats of our own, that absolutely uh, – she's absolutely, you know, endured in love with them, as am I. Don't get me wrong, but she's just uh, really the big uh, cat person in the house. So uh, she did want to tell me, you know, good luck, and uh, we hope that George is feeling better. But I'm doing terrific, my friend, and I actually have a question for you. I was going to text you or have the conversation on one of the many social media platforms we have. But I thought, you know what the heck with it? This question and this mini conversation that we're about to have is going to make for some great audio podcasting. I did not want to cheat our listeners, (laughs) the friends and the family of the Stardom Cast, of this conversation. But before I get into it real quick, Mr. Rob Goodwin, I did have many, many people that asked if I made this year's PWI 500, as you know. The PWI 500 just was just released about last week, and I did not make the PWI 500. Outrageous. However, Rob, yes, outrageous, sir. However, good, sir, 
I did make the Stardom cast top two. So out oh, of all the co-hosts, so out of all the co-hosts from the, in this podcast, the Stardom cast, I finished in the top two. So I just want to thank all the listeners and all the supporters <laughs> that let me finish in the top two of this podcast. Here. What a what a great accomplishment! You know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it it's a hard fought competition. Some would argue more prestigious than uh, the PWI five hundred. I have, I of course am not saying that. I'm simply relaying what <laughs> other people say. Um, yeah, it was it was certainly an interesting uh, an interesting list as it always is. Uh, I think omitting. The winner of the G1 Climax 33 entirely from a list of 500 people is uh, bold, certainly. But uh, you finish finished the same place as me, buddy. You, know? <laughs> you and Naito are the same place. Have placed exactly, mate. I have never wrestled a day in my life, and I have placed at the same time as Tetsuya Naito. Uh, and if that's not depressing for the ungovernable one, then I don't know what is. However, we may place higher because me and you both finish in the top two of the Stardom Cast co-hosting podcast. So congratulations, sir, by the way. Congratulations. Thank you very much. I'll be expecting my <laughs> card and plaque in the mail. Um... <laughs> yeah. Oh, so my, my question. Oh, go ahead, sir. Go ahead. Finish no, please. You, please. So my question to you is, sir, now obviously this is the Stardom Cast podcast, and every now and again we will talk about different wrestling companies. Now, not unless you were living underneath a rock, pun intended, this past week, many, many, there's been many, many views on social media for the one World Wrestling Entertainment. Uh, it all started really on Friday morning when none other than Dwayne The Rock Johnson was on Pat McAfee's college football show and i'm a big fan of college football for many reasons one of the reasons why is college football comes on early and i love when things come on early because i go to bed very very early so it's tough for me to stay up late so he was on the rock was on pat mcafee's um uh college football show on friday morning and pat mcafee just asked him and said hey you know there's rumors going around that you and roman reigns were supposed to wrestle at wrestlemania 39 and uh, sofi stadium in los angeles what happened and then the rock was very adamant and very honest said you know right after wrestlemania 38 we pretty much had a done deal that me and roman were going to main event wrestlemania 39 and then somewhere along the way when we were doing the year build-up we basically just lost you know things just didn't make sense and the rock had to fall out and then pat mcafee asked him hey what about uh WrestleMania 40 in Philly. And he said, it's a very, very real possibility. So all of a sudden, Friday morning and Friday afternoon, the rumors started going that we may see The Rock versus Roman Reigns next year at WrestleMania in Philadelphia. The rumors, Rob Goodman, only strengthened a little bit more when later on that night, The Rock appeared on WWE SmackDown to have a little segment with one Pat McAfee and Austin Theory that as of uh, this recording has something over 100 million views on social media platforms, which is absolutely insane. Now, Rob, my question to you, good sir, my good friend, the author of the book, Living the Dream, Stardom's (laughs) 10th anniversary in review, and the man who finished in the top two for the PWI top two Stardom cast (laughs) co-host, The Rock has not had an official match in, in 11 years. Now, I know some of the diehards may say, well, Matt, WrestleMania 32, he had that like 30-second match with Eric Rowan. I'm not counting that. He has not had a match since WrestleMania 29. All of a sudden, we announced on this show about a month or so ago 
that Rob Goodwin is going to WrestleMania. <laughs> Do you think that you have single-handedly changed The Rock's mind to come out of retirement for the first time in a decade to wrestle the biggest star in wrestling in Roman Reigns? Can we credit you that? Or are you not allowed to say, buddy? I'm trying to get a scoop here. You got to help me out here. All will be revealed. Um, <laughs> there's there's a lot of legal wranglings that I just can't get into uh, right now. I don't want to. I don't want to jinx it. Of course, The Rock, a huge, huge fan of the Stardom cast. In fact, is one of our patrons. Hello, Dwayne or D, as he likes, as he likes <laughs> to be known by. <laughs> um, no, no, I sincerely doubt that me. Uh, that I have in any way willed this into existence. However, um, just the mere thought that uh, I'll get to watch uh, someone who was one of my wrestling heroes during the Attitude Era and everything else uh, wrestle potentially one more match is uh, is very, very exciting. And then when you put on top of that, there uh, there are even more rumours that uh, your trainer CM Punk might be... Uh, making a return to WWE and might be wrestling at WrestleMania and suddenly this WrestleMania card becomes very, very tasty. Yeah, it sure does. And possibly the uh, possible opponent might be Stone Cold Steve Austin. That might be a match. If he got goaded out with that match with Kevin Owens, I think the CM Punk one is a little bit more tasty for him. No disrespect to Kevin Owens, but that's a match that they tried to get going for quite some time. And since Stone Cold put his feet back in the water two years ago at WrestleMania, that is a possibility. Real quick before we ship and sh shift gears into the stardom, um, I just want to make a quick little Matt Turner trivia note. The last time The Rock did wrestle, I was there. I was there at WrestleMania 29 for The Rock versus John Cena, where my good friend Paul, who you will be meeting, he will be joining us for all the WrestleMania festivities this year, um, passed out drunk. During that match, when it started to freezing rain as well, so uh, you, you have a you have a lot to look forward to, my friend. I'm just letting you know. I mean, what a way to uh, to miss a match just to be that <laughs> drunk um, that you just pass out. Love it. Um, honestly, I do fear for my liver and my safety for uh, when I come over to Philadelphia. But that's by the by, um, uh, Matt. It's been yes, a busy. A busy day in uh, in the world of stardom, and we're going to get into all of the news, and uh, we're going to be talking about nights 15 and 16 of the five-star Grand Prix. I am just going to say now that I know there was two dates, I believe, on the 18th and the 20th. They aren't out on Stardom World yet. Sonny is only human, um, so we won't be able to review them. I'm going to try not to spoil results for anyone because I know they're not even out on cage match yet, the results. So I don't want to sort of go into that. So what we'll be doing is we'll be reviewing the shows from the 16th in Fukuoka and the 17th in Saga City. Um, and I'll be doing the, whereas I've always done the points total at the end and things like that, I'll only be doing it from the end of the 17th. I won't be taking into account the 18th and the 20th. Again, because A, I don't want to give spoilers, B, because I haven't watched it yet and I don't want to ruin the results for me to get the points and everything like that. So uh, a little bit of a disclaimer before we jump into everything but before we jump into everything and news and something that blows this five-star grand prix potentially completely wide open as though this tournament needed that matt turner what's going on on the patreon this week the 
the Patreon good sir. This week, we released not one, but two alternate commentaries. We went back to 1979, three years before I was born, as we paid tribute to the late, great Terry Funk and watched one of the most wildest matches uh, I've ever seen, which is saying a lot as uh, Terry and Dory Funk team up the famous funk brothers to take on the team of abdul the butcher and the sheik and um we usually like to call it alternate commentary that was more of like a watch along brother because it's really kind of you know i like to give my like rob is always very like enthused and excited and gives you the background and everything i can kind of give you guys like the psychology why this is happening there's certain strategies this is just forks and bleeding and fireballs and just all sorts of wild chaos and amidst an absolute hostile crowd um so we released that one and then we also released champion versus champion title for title more of an alternate commentary from this past year's flashing champions mina shirakawa taking on tam nakano uh, also coming up to end the month of september crazy to say by this time next week, give or take a day or two, we will have released the Izumi High Speed Championship run from 2022 and 2023. And also, what if Arisa Hoshinki did not get injured? And also as well, a lot of stuff coming up next seven or eight days on the Patreon. Also, we'll be releasing our roundtable discussion that we'll be tagged in by a Patreon member. Part of the part of part of the perks, folks. Of being a Patreon member, you can get tagged in to these roundtable discussions. Uh, the roundtable discussion this month, Mr. Rob Goodwin, will be top five favorite Wonder of Stardom championship matches. And all those shows will... T- oh, and also, the uh, an alternate commentary for next week will be the cage match. Uh, Loser Leaves Unit from just this past summer. Queen's Quest versus Oedo Tai. Um, I believe that is being released. Correct me if I'm not wrong, Rob, because we did have a little technical issues, correct? Yes. For anyone that is listening to this, we had a little bit of a snafu with the internet, um, technical term snafu. Um, basically my internet dropped out and then just would not come back on. Um, thankfully we'd done the match and we were literally on the point of Matt doing the sign off on the podcast. So if you are an IWGP patron member or above, um, the chances are that bit may have corrupted. However, I've bought a brand new Wi-Fi adapter after a lot of research. Apparently, it is the best one on Amazon. So uh, we'll see. We've had no issues yet, touch wood. Um, but I have saved the video. We've got the audio, definitely. But it's uh, we will see in terms of the video. Hopefully... No harm, no foul, and hopefully that will be in your feeds, the audio on Monday, and then the video as per usual on the Tuesday. Which that'll take us to the end end of the month of September, so we may as well, we may as well tell you right here, right now, what we have going on in October. So, for the alternate commentary, Rob, would you like to tell the fantastic listeners of the Stardomcast podcast, the friends and family? What are the matches that you have picked for our alternate commentaries coming up in the month of October? Now, I believe, Matt, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, as I often am, I am I right in thinking there is no theme this month? It is just whatever matches we feel like doing. That's correct, yes? Yes, I think we're going to do that for October, possibly November, and then I will probably have to beg you for about four seconds to see if maybe we can have a Queen's Quest Christmas. Another story for another day. So, yes, no theme. The theme is pick awesome matches. There's your thing. <laughs> and it's 
what a segue because the two matches that I've picked are two of my favorite matches from 2021. Um, the first is a match that I desperately try and get everyone who has, you know, not seen it to watch it. It's my first, one of my first go-to matches um, when people say, oh, Rob, what should I watch from stardom? And it's a match that everyone seems to forget. I know that Scotty Wrestling is a big fan of this match as well, um, but it is Hazuki and Utami Hayashishita from uh, November 3rd, I believe, Kawasaki Super Wars 2021. Um, it is Hazuki's third match, I believe, back after her retirement. Um, an absolutely incredible match, and just it put to bed any doubts, um, any of those very, very small doubts that Hazuki couldn't still hang with the best and then after that my next pick is julia versus starlight kid from the valentine's day corican hall show um a match so good that people forget that suri and azumi was the semi-main and that was also a brilliant match but this match was tremendous for the white belts obviously starlight kid still a baby face julia was becoming this imperious um sort of monster at this point just seemed completely untouchable and that sort of disparity between the two made for an extremely entertaining match um and again another match that i actively encourage you to check out so those matt are my picks for the alternate commentaries next week but don't keep me hanging what are we doing for yours Mine would be, now I just mentioned about a moment or two ago, I'm just wrapping up the Izumi high-speed championship run. And I going into the run, I figure that if I'm going to rank the matches, my favorite match from the run would be when Izumi beats Starlight Kid for the high-speed championship back in February of 2022 at Cinderella Journey. And I know when we reviewed the Triangle Derby match that they had, we both liked the Cinderella Journey match a little bit better, but I went back and rewatched it just about a week ago. And I might like that match from 2023 just a few months ago better. I'm not sure. We're going to go back and watch that one. So it's going to be Izumi defending the high-speed championship against Starlight Kid from the Triangle Derby Finals and one of the greatest wrestling shows you'll ever see. Now, Mr. Rob Goodwin, piggybacking off one of the very few matches that you enjoy more than me, which is Utami versus Suzuki. Don't get me wrong. I love the match. I think I had it four and a quarter, four and a half stars. I believe you're booked tells me that you had it at four and three fourth stars so we are going i'm going to go to a, a match that i am shocked that you have not picked yet for the alternate commentary it's a match that i love but per the stardom star ratings you like this match a little bit more than me this is a match i believe i had four and a half stars and you had this one at four and three fourth stars this match also takes place in the year 2021 it is from budokan hall all-star dream cinderella yoshiko versus Mayu Iwatani. Great match. Really, really good match. So those will be the four matches that we'll be doing in Rob, the non-stardom match of the month for October. What will it be, sir? It will be um, perhaps one of the greatest Joshi matches of all time. We will be going back to 1993 and perhaps what is billed as the biggest Joshi show of all time. Um, and we'll be going to see uh, Shinobu Kandori and um, Akira Hokuto just absolutely destroying 
each other um, in one of the most bloody Joshi matches I've ever seen. Never, never mind Joshi matches, just matches because the Crimson Mask that Akira Hokuto is wearing during this match at Dream Slam is just incredible. And we're talking about a minute and a half into the match. Yes, we're going back to Dream Slam 1 and we're going to be watching the most fabled match of an outstanding card. Yeah, I'm so looking forward to calling that one with you, my friend. Now, for the bi-weekly podcast, you still have about three or four days to get your vote in. You can vote for either Shiri's SWA title run, Arisa Hoshinki's 2019 Cinderella win, Tam Nakano's 2020 five-star Grand Prix run. Now, I know she did not win the five-star tournament, but she had a fantastic run. Or Hazuki and Koguma, FWC, their two tag championship runs from 2022. I know that they had kind of like two short ones back-to-back. I'll be reviewing all the matches that uh, that they either defended or challenged for the uh, Goddess of Stardom Championship run. Once again, Shiri's SWA title run, Arisa's 2019 Cinderella win, Tam Nakano's 2021 five-star Grand Prix run, or FWC, ta- their tag team championship runs, plural, in the year 2022. Those are what you'll be able to vote for. So you can either pop up over to my Twitter page, Matt Turner OF, or X, whatever it's called this week, or shoot me an email. Let me know what you want to vote for. Now, Rob, just about a minute or two ago, you mentioned one of the greatest matches in Joshi wrestling history and that is a good segue for what our roundtable discussion is going to be we're going to be doing our top five favorite not just Joshi women's wrestling matches whether it's stardom whether it's all Japan whether it's Sendai girls whether it's WWE whether it's Shimmer uh, be top five favorite women's matches of all time and we will be joined by somebody that is absolutely beloved on our show maybe the most popular person to ever grace our show maybe um the one and only always entertaining always energetic one allison danger i'd argue perhaps more popular than both me and you um which is concerning um but it's always a blast to have allison danger on i cannot wait to talk our favorite Joshi matches, our favorite women's wrestling matches from around the world. Very, very exciting to see what nuggets and what gems Allison picks and what you pick as well, sir, because uh, I'm sure you're going to have at least one sort of left-wing pick, shall we say, just out of, out of nowhere, and I'm excited by that. Yeah, I, I will... Uh... I will wholeheartedly kind of agree with you said I, I Allison is definitely more popular than me and you. The only reason why I said maybe is maybe Scotty wrestling and Karen Peterson, or maybe the, maybe the only two other people that are more beloved on the show than her. But yeah, she, people like her more than me and you buddy. We set the bar high, but Allison, Scott and Karen, they're just, uh, you know, they're the, the, the icing on the cake. That is the stardom cast buddy. Hey man, I mean, I'll be perfectly honest. Our episodes with Karen are up there with our most downloaded episodes. So Karen's money. What can I say? Um, I'm looking forward to this though. I'm looking forward to uh, to talking with Allison again because, like you mentioned, incredibly entertaining podcast without fail. Um, let's kick into some of the news then from the Stardom Sphere and. Uh, we should probably start with the biggest news item uh, that broke today, um, and that is that Utami Hayashista is injured. Um, unfortunately, she had to forfeit her match against Mirai um, in the five-star Grand Prix. Um, 
due to injury. Um, Stardom haven't made um, any sort of announcement yet in regard to her health or in regard to if she's going to be okay for the rest of the tournament. Um, From what we understand, it's her neck. It's heavily taped up. um, But that's really all the information that we have. I think it would be wrong to speculate you know, the extent of the injury until stardom have made an announcement. And it would certainly be wrong to speculate if her five-star Grand Prix is over. And obviously, you know, in just a couple of months time, we've, well, in less than three weeks, I believe we have got the start of the goddess of stardom tag league, where she'll be teaming with lady C. Um, It's a, it's a real, real kick to the nether regions, especially when you consider that this tournament started in the worst possible way when Saik Amitani, who was, according to the Wrestling Observer, who was sort of touted to win the entire tournament, was injured within her first match, dislocating and maybe, I think, breaking her wrist. Um, and she's still out, but then to lose Utami as well, potentially who um, many people have said possibly could go all the way in Sire's stead is extremely sad, extremely sad. And obviously we wish nothing but the best for you, Tommy. But Matt, injuries never come at a good time, but good God, this has come at an absolutely awful time for both you, Tommy, and for stardom. Yeah, again, we're not going to speculate just because we don't have all the, uh, you know, all the news and we want to be respectful to, you know, Tommy and uh, her fan base, which mean you are huge parts of that and uh, stardom as well. But yeah, if if it is her neck, if that's the thing, especially the fact that she'd be wrestling Mirai, I believe that match was going to take place uh, today as of this recording, I believe. And, you know, that match was going to be hard hitting a lot of Mirai's uh, offense focused on the next with the Lariats, with the mirror Mirai's. And as much as, you know, Mariah would protect you, Tommy, is he's still going to be on that neck. And the neck is something you don't want to mess around. You know, I understand sometimes you can work through like a shoulder, an arm, a knee, something like that. You, you can kind of work through that. The neck is something you do not want to mess around with. So obviously, yes, she had a forfeit her match with Mariah. She has two more matches left with Hanan and Julia on that uh, final night, which actually could be, you know, because she was, I believe, going in today, leading the block. So it was a possibility that she did have three more matches left. So, yeah, again, we don't want to speculate at all. I mean, we'll see once stardom has further clarifications. Maybe she just needs a day or two off, maybe to rest and recover her neck a little bit. We don't know how bad it is. But when you talk about, like, taped up necks, the first thing that comes to mind is Arisa Hoshinki. You would see getting towards the end of her uh, unbelievable run with the white belt, the wonder of stardom championship belt, you know, with her neck and shoulder being as taped up as it was. Um, it wasn't just like one big bump that mirrored that injury. It was just commute, you know, uh, just compounding bump after bump, after bump, hard hitting match after hard hitting that eventually Rissa was like, you know what? I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And obviously we do not want that for you, Tommy at all. Um, obviously her safety and her well-being is the most important, more important than professional wrestling. But if she has to bow out of one match or the rest of these matches to heal herself up and come back, whether it's in a month, whether it's at the end of the year, whether it's a year, you know, who knows, who knows, but obviously we wish you, Tommy, a speedy recovery. And if that is the case, Rob, again, I don't want to speculate. If that is the case. 
this blows the tournament wide open, wide open just to see who can win. But the good thing for Star, I'm going to spin this in a positive way, brother, because you know that's how I am, and that's what I do. If Sai was supposed to win, and that's going to go to Sai, it's going to go to Utami, who I had picked as the, as the winner, and so did many other people. With Stardom's roster being as stacked as it is, you can go with a Hazuki. You can go with a Shuri. You can go with the Julia going back to back, or you can finish that story with Mina and Tan at the end of the year. So you look at that perspective. Obviously, I'm a huge, huge fan of Utami, and uh, I hope she's not done with the five star. Uh, but again, you look at this may open up the door for somebody else with just that absolute stacked roster. So by the time this comes out, Rob, you know, uh, by the time you listen to this, whether it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, what have you. Maybe we'll have some more clarification, but I think I speak for uh, not only everybody on this podcast, but all of the fans of Stardom will now. We wish you, Tommy, a speedy and healthy recovery. Absolutely, and you've hit the nail on the head there, Matt, um, by sort of talking about who this opens the door to, and that's my next question, really, and we're going to talk a little bit about that in a moment, sort of putting that positive twist on a really negative situation. You know, obviously, this is dreadful for Utami if, you know, if it is the worst. Um, obviously, for stardom, when you think about the Sayakamitani injury, the one, the one silver lining to that injury was that it happened at the very start of the tournament so that necessary changes could be made, results could be changed, point tallies can be recalculated, things like that. Utami's injury there are people that have only got one match left two matches left you know there's the odd wrestler who's got three matches left but there aren't many so stardom have got their work cut out to try and desperately recalibrate this situation and this is of course if utami misses the rest of the tournament and if she was even scheduled to reach the final there's no confirmation at all that utami was slated to top blue block we don't know um, however, you look at how, especially the two days that we're going to look at today, you look how they have panned out, especially in red block, we seem to be a little clearer on where we're going with that block. However, if you think that Tam is still going to be champion at Dream Queendom, okay, if you take that, you make that a thing, she's not going to drop the belt before then. There are several options you can go down when it comes to Dream Queendom. Now, the most the most sensible for me, and I'm sure for you, Matt, is the one you've already mentioned. Run Tam versus Mina back and have Mina dethrone Tam. That would... I mean, to be fair, you don't even need Mina to dethrone Tam. It can go to a really hard-fought 27-28 minute match with Tam just getting the victory. Keep that story rolling. That match, I feel, would do well at a Rio Goku. Now, obviously, we still haven't had confirmed that there will be a Dream Queendom. We are assuming that. But if that's the case, Mina and Tam is an option. Micah and Tam, because obviously Micah is also going to be in the mix on the final night in Blue Block, it would be a good match. There's not a considerable amount of history there, though with Micah and Tam and with that would they do well in the build we know they'd have a phenomenal match like that that goes without saying it's Tam and it's Micah I mean good god it would be fantastic but 
Is it main event of your biggest show of the year? I don't know. You look at Red Block, you've got Hazuki, who I personally think, because I'm incredibly biased, I personally think that would be a great way to go. Have Hazuki win the tournament. Have Hazuki go on to face Tam at Drink Queen. Hazuki doesn't have to win. Okay, if you want to keep the belt on Tam, that's absolutely fine. And then sort of maybe swap the belt over when Utami comes back, if that's what you want to do. Suzu Suzuki is another option, but again, sort of struggles with the same issue as Micah. There's not a great deal of history there. Time is running out, though, for stardom, because looking at the blocks that I've got in front of me, these are already two nights old. So... uh, There are people here who have now been eliminated from the tournament. So the pool is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So fingers crossed that Utami is going to be okay for her final two matches against Hannon and Julia. If not, then obviously we wish her nothing but the best. I'm not... It's the whole being strapped up to the nines on her back and neck. It's never good. And, uh, yeah, I I just hope, fingers crossed, that we do get Utami back. Matt, if you were given the book, if Stardom Gate... This has turned into an impromptu version of What If. Um, (laughs) if This is what we do, folks. There's a little preview for you. First one's free. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. There you go. Um, I think if if you were given the book, if I was given the book, I'd go Hazuki. That's, That's just me. And that's because I am unflinchingly biased. But I do think Mina is a good way to go as well. If you were given the book, I think I know which way you'd go, but just confirm it for everyone. You know what? I literally have two on the top of my head, but I just, I'm curious, what are you thinking that I would go with? I think you'd go for Mina again. Um, that is actually probably my third option. What? Uh, oh, the, interesting. That, that one- that one works. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Rob. They're going to be if they run this show, they're going to run it in Ryugoku Sumo Hall, where they did uh, 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 one and two, right? Queendom one and two, and they did about three thousand people. So you want to do about thirty one hundred. So I'm looking at this as a business aspect. Again, we're assuming Tam, who's a big draw for Stardom, is in the main event with the I know Red where Bell. you're going with this. <sighs> so now, okay, Mina is a great option. You're going mm-hmm. to tell that story. Will they draw three thousand people with Mina? and a really good undercard is a possibility. My 1B would be Tam wins it, and you do Tam and Mayu, champion versus champion, title for title, because they teased they were going to do that. Keep in mind, Cork and Hall is a very legendary building for professional wrestling. Stardom draw, drew the most amount of people for the year 2023, which is this year, if you're keeping count, Rob. Uh, 2023, <laughs> for the five-star with Mayu versus Tam on top going to a draw. Last time they wrestled, they went 30 minutes and went to a draw. And Tam is considerably better now than she was in 2021. So if you do Tam, you know, no time limit. You basically did what you did at Dream Kingdom 1 with SWA versus Red Belt with Shiri and Utami. That's a way to go. That would be my 1B. 
But I'll tell you what, what my one, my number, my one A would be if I was given the book. Again, there's a lot of different avenues that you can go. Can you go Hazuki? Absolutely. I'm a huge, just like you, I'm a huge Hazuki fan. I'm all for that. Can you go Micah? Sure. I don't know if that's going to draw 3,000 people, not unless you get a really, really strong undercard, but it's going to be a great match. But if you're asking me right now as this recording, if I was to get a phone call right now and they said, Matt, you need to pick who wins, who's winning this five-star, I go with Julia. I go with Julia back to back. She's one of the hottest wrestlers in the world right now. Again, she's another one that supposedly has a bruised tailbone. So just like, can you, you know, and I know she's, she's got the strong championship or whatever. And maybe do, does she drop that to Mercedes somewhere down the line? Do we do that later? I don't know. But I think that when Julia first won this belt last year on that phenomenal match with Sherry, we all thought that we were going to be getting not only a long run, but I even said this podcast, I think she's going to threaten EO's V14 uh, and we didn't get that. So I think Julia now is a hotter commodity in the world because of what she's doing with that strong belt. And the fact that her name has been thrown around all over her name. We heard her name on AEW TV. You know, she wrestled at the ECW arena on that impact show. So that would be my option is to go to have Julia go back to back. And then for her defeat, we know Tam and Julia, it's going to sell. I know some people are like, I'm sick of uh, uh, Tam and Julia. I'm not. I'm not. Give it to me, you know, like very much like Tanahashi Okada, Masawa Kawada. Those guys have wrestled a zillion times. I'm fine with these, with Tam and Julia wrestling every four or five months. I have no problem with it. I appreciate the violence, the psychology, the effort that they put in. So that's what I would go with. But there's a lot of viable options, my friend, a lot of viable options. But I just want to say before we close this segment out and move to the next thing, not unless there's anything else you want to add, partner, that me and you were texting earlier this morning, we were talking about this, that I think us as fans of any sport, whether it's pro wrestling, whether it's soccer, whether it's football, whether it's real baseball, anything is we need to appreciate the sacrifice that these athletes make on their bodies for our entertainment and our enjoyment, whether they're making a hundred dollars a show or whether they're making, you know, two or three hundred million dollars over four or five years. They send some of these contracts and just insane. At the same time, they are sacrificing their bodies. For our entertainment, it's not just one bump or one thing. It's the cumulative hits that they take. Not only that, but majority of these athletes, if they're top tier athletes, they're in the gym, they're training, and they're putting their bodies through rigorous training to be in the best shape so they can form in the ring or on the football field or the soccer field or the uh, basketball parquet. So when people hear, and I hear all the time in the gym, you know, on Saturdays and Sundays, when I hear people saying, oh, that quarterback's terrible, or this running back in the NFL is terrible. How are you terrible if you're in the NFL? You have to be the best in high school and the best of college. Like, there's no, you're not a bad wrestler if you're in stardom. You are not a bad wrestler if you're in the WWE. You're not a bad wrestler if you're in New Japan. You obviously have been picked to be there for a reason. So I just think us as fans need to appreciate what these athletes do for our entertainment. And I just, just want to say that. Yeah, one hundred percent. I completely agree with you. I love the idea. Um, just getting back to what you said of Tam winning and then choosing Mayu, because if you look at history, Tam and Mayu is up there. Don't forget, Tam has not beaten Mayu. So uh, having it doesn't even have to be a title for title match. In fact, I would prefer it not to be a title for title match because I feel like the IWGP. Women's chat. People who listen to this podcast know my feelings about that belt, but I feel like that would be a really interesting way to go. Because if Tam was to win it, we've never had 
a tournament won by the wonder the world of stardom champion the world of stardom champion has never won it io shirai dropped the belt i think 12 days before the tournament started and then won it back in 2014 um nanai takahashi was the champion in the same year i think in 2013 but didn't win it uh, sorry 2012 but didn't win it so yeah no 2013 yuzuki akao won it in 2012 um that will be a really interesting way to go, makes the tournament special. And then you've instantly got a main event. You know, I talked about, you know, would Micah and Tam do good numbers at a Rhea Goku? Would uh, Tam versus Suzuki? Tam versus Mayu definitely would, especially when you put the history of Tam trying to finally surpass Mayu Iwatani, trying to finally beat Mayu for the first time and it for being the for the biggest prize in stardom and oh it'd be fantastic if mayu won can you imagine and then we continue that further down the line that'd be beautiful it won't happen but that would be beautiful um anyway we are we said we wouldn't speculate and then we've ended up <laughs> speculating let's move on um let's move on a little bit and let's move on to a little bit more of good news and that is that the new japan strong women's championship will be defended at fighting spirit unleashed um that is going to be at saturday october 28th in samstown uh in las vegas nevada julia is prevalent on the poster she is being advertised for the show and when new japan announced the show they said that all of the strong titles are going to be defended so whether obviously i don't know if eddie kingston has uh, managed to defeat claudio to remain the champion however he is being advertised for the show and claudio isn't so make of that what you will but julia is very very big on that poster so she is 100% going to be there the reason i bring this up is because that pretty much rules her out of the Halloween Dark Night show, which is Stardom's Halloween pay-per-view that is going to be on the 29th, the day after, at the Takikawa Stage Garden. So it looks, Matt, like Julia isn't going to be on that show. And it does make me think, and again, tell me if I'm wrong, it would make sense for Nagoya Golden Fight, where the full card has been announced, October 9th. It would make sense for Barry Barry Bombers to drop the artist of stardom belts so that they can be defended whilst Julia is off defending the strong title, especially when you consider that May Sakurai is in and out with injury. Tekla is barely featured on these cards. So it would make sense for the Barry Barry Bombers to drop the belts to, I believe, is it Micah, Suzu, Suzuki, and Megan Bain they're taking on? It would make sense, wouldn't it? That is a possibility, but also, too, if you have uh, a lot of people who are going to be tuning into that show, basically for New, uh, New Japan, and seeing Julia for the first time, when she has two belts, they may say, okay, that one there is obviously the New Japan Strong. You know, We know that, but what is that other one? that she has and then maybe that's the rabbit hole that you fell down i think that's the miss that they had with tam not coming out with the uh or tam wasn't one half of the goddess championship um going into uh the tokyo dome uh earlier this year another story for another day another rant um but maybe that's a way they can go you can go either either or really i mean i see your point and i'm kind of leaning a little bit more towards you but at the same time if julia does retain she can be julia two belts on that show and and people when they see 
that she's one third of the artists of stardom uh, champions. We may have some questions asked uh, and refer to us, and we'd be more than happy to tell you what that belt is all about and what Julie is all about. That's what they're here for. But my question to you is, sir, is what is the name of this pay-per-view for the end of October for stardom? Fighting Spirit Unleashed. Oh, the starting, the stardom one. Sorry, I apologize. Yes. Um, it's called Halloween Dark Night. So we don't get Julia because I'm assuming Julia is obviously going to be in Vegas. But however, per that title, correct me if I'm wrong, are they not advertise, advertising the Dark Knight himself, Batman, to be on that show? <laughs> so Rob Goodwin, my question is to you. Is I'm going to you ask me to book the five star. I'm asking you. Which of the stardom wrestlers is wrestling the Dark Knight himself, Batman, on this show? What? How you? How? How are you, sir? Going to draw some buy, pay-per-view buys and asses and seats for this show? Who's wrestling Batman? I feel like there is only one correct answer to this, and that is, of course, Fukik and Death. Um, <laughs> because you, Joker you know for a fact that Fukik and Death would come up in some sort of weird cosplay thing and then would roll Batman up in in three minutes, Um, especially if it's a multi-person. But yes, perhaps, maybe we will see Batman challenge for the World of Stardom Championship. Who knows? Maybe the five-star is moot and they're just going to bring in DC superheroes to uh, to challenge Tam. Um... (laughs) My thing is real quick, and I know we're off the rails. Dude, as what is happening to this I, podcast? I, 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 <laughs> this is why we do so well because we have like an outline and just like you know, it's like an ECW pay per view. Just throw it out the out the window, and people love it. Thank you, we appreciate you listening. My my thing would be, I love that idea. How awesome would be Batman comes out and all of a sudden Natsupoy comes out, does her flip and does buy poi to Batman. I mean, that's just catching money right there. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen um on Twitter going around. I don't know what show it's from. Um, but there is angry Natsupoy doing angry buy poi now. And honestly, <laughs> the angry buy poi might be my favorite thing in the entire world. And I have I've I have clipped it and I have made it my message tone. So whenever yes. I get whenever I get a text, I just get bye bye. <laughs> Which is just is there any way, is there any way you can send that to me? I want that. Oh my god, my, I'll be single by the time October rolls around. My <laughs> wife will be like, "That's it, I can't take anymore. I've taken enough of your BS." You do realize uh, if I... you get that as your message tonight, I'm texting you every minute for at least an hour, so it just carries on and on and on and on. <laughs> oh. Anyway, um, let's quickly move on before the podcast does completely fall off the rails. Um, It was also announced this morning that New Japan and Stardom will be doing what is called a joint strategy presentation. Um, And this is going to be on October 10th, which is the night after the show in Nagoya. Um, the pay-per-view in Nagoya, sorry, which, as you mentioned before, Matt, is a Monday. This is going to be at the UNO Airship Theatre. Now, there has been a lot of people speculating what could happen and what could be being announced on this show, the most prevalent theory being another historic crossover show, um, which would take place the only day currently, and thank you to Sky Wrestling for pointing this out, the only day free for both Stardom and New Japan, I believe, is the 19th of November, um, which is the same date 
as they ran Historic Crossover last year. Now, it could be something completely different. Obviously, New Japan have just announced that they are basically revamping New Japan World entirely. Maybe it's something like that with Stardom. I don't know. Maybe they're doing their version of the Wrestle Universe and it's all going to go under one app. I don't know. We will find out. Um, but yes, that's going to be October the 10th, uh, 7 p.m., japan time um it's certainly something to keep your eye on um but if i was a betting man and i'm not because i'm useless as you've seen from predictions um i would say that it is going to be the um the announcement of historic crossover to electric boogaloo matt that would be my guess but i have another question for you sir i'm throwing all sorts of questions here for you is which member of the new japan roster does mayu either set on fire or hit with their car (laughs) (laughs) i'm going with evil (laughs) i mean to be fair to be fair i mean i'm sure that i'm sure evil is engaged to io shirai so i imagine because mayu's close with io she's probably close with evil anyway um but yeah i imagine there will be quite a few new japan fans who in kayfabe at least would be uh wouldn't be opposed to evil being hit with a car um i i I imagine it would be someone like a taguchi or something like that because you know the kind of nonsense that him and uh, him and mayu do tori yano or something as he's trying to plug his youtube channel who knows who knows um but i think if anyone from new japan was to dress as batman it would 100 percent be taguchi 100 percent um final thing i just want to dip into then in terms of the news before we kick into the two five star shows we're going to be talking about today is to do with the uh japanese sorry the new york joshi promotion sukiban um their full card has been announced for september the 21st and it is as follows um what i'll do is and again scotty wrestling what a guy um he's actually given the full card in their kayfabe names and then in the names that we are more likely to know so i will do my best to run down this card give you their sluki band names and the names that you may know them a little bit more and there's a few on here that i didn't realize were actually wrestling for the promotion so uh, keep your ears peeled for that so we open with a six woman tag that's going to be crush you supersonic and rico blondie versus atomic banshee otaku chan and bingo now that is you natsuki teo randomly uh and riko kaiju versus ram kachow kaori yoniyama and hiroya matsumoto so some stardom alumni there in natsuki teo still the longest reigning high speed champion and hiroyo matsumoto part of team jungle i believe one member uh one third of the artist of stardom champions with um dakota kai as she is now um and she was also one half of the goddess of stardom champions with jungle kiona we then got a three-way saki bimi versus queen to cast versus a mystery opponent and that is going to be saki of colors uh, friend of the show saki and miyuki takase and then obviously we have got the mystery opponent Matt, you wondered where Takumi, uh, Takumi, 
where Tomoka and Naba was in terms of this card. Well, she is on this card. She'll be wrestling under the name Stray Cat. So it's Midnight Player versus Stray Cat. Midnight Player is Aoi, and Tomoka and Naba is going to be wrestling as Stray Cat. We've then got uh, in our semi-main a tag team match, Maya Mamushi and Babyface versus Commander Nakajima and Lady Antoinette. They are Maya Yukihi and Ancham versus Arisa Nakajima and Risa Seira. And then in our main event, the title eliminator is Countess Saori and Ichigo Sayaka, which is, of course, Sayori Anno and Unagi Sayaka. Um, so, Matt, some interesting names on that card, but perhaps even more interestingly is where the event is going to air. So there was quite a few people who were like, is it going to air on YouTube? Is it going to be done on video? And then it's going to be on tape delay. How are we going to be able to see Suki Band's first show? It turns out it is going to air exclusively on TikTok, which I must admit threw me a little bit um uh, i mean it is very innovative it is the first time i believe a wrestling promotion has run exclusively on tiktok i don't know anywhere near enough um when it comes to the nitty-gritty of how that would make money how many people would have to watch the show um especially when you consider the amount of people that they are flying in for this show um it just took me a little bit by surprise um matt what about you my teenage daughter has been asking me for about a year and a half to get a TikTok to help promote wrestling and this podcast. And uh, this is a sign from the heavens. This is a sign that I guess <laughs> she has won because I will have to create a, I believe the show is uh, Thursday. I think they said it's the day before or the, uh, tomorrow, or I guess as this uh, drops, you know, yesterday. Because I believe I thought I heard somebody say it's the day after AEW Grand Slam, which is smart because you're going to have, you know, roughly nine, ten thousand wrestling fans in the area. So then you're going to catch a, you know, Joshi show the next day. Correct me if I'm wrong, Rob, but it's not airing uh, this week, correct? As we record it is airing tomorrow. Yeah, that's what I thought. So I will probably be creating a TikTok sometime uh, probably tonight. So uh, I know my daughter does not listen to this podcast. Congratulations, kiddo you win again because dad is going to have to get a TikTok. So that means you may see some Matt Turner dancing. I don't know. Isn't that what TikTok's for? You do like dancing videos. So. I honestly um. could not tell you, my friend. However, if we do get a Stardom Cast TikTok, you know for a fact that me and you are busting out the Meltier dance in Philly when we're Yes! <laughs> done. Done deal. TikTok, it is, that seals it. That is now 101% that we are restarting a TikTok because you heard it here, folks. Now let's Rob edits this out <laughs> that, we, that we will be doing the Mel Tier Dance WrestleMania weekend. So if we have The Rock versus Roman and Austin versus Stone Car versus CM Punk, those are the second and third biggest things to happen <laughs> WrestleMania weekend, brother. Because neither of any of those four ever finished in the top two of the Stardom cast co-hosts. So uh, we have, sir. We have. So um, Damn right. But yeah, <laughs> back to the show. Anyway, uh, the fact that we have Anabe versus Aoi, and they have obviously really great history uh, in Just Tap Out. And then we have uh, Seori Ano teaming with Yunagi. So you kind of have the 
cosmic angels thing there so mm-hmm. if we're gonna kind of wrap this into the whole stardom thing but the show seems real did they announce like what the main event was going to be rob or was just that kind of just the lineup no the main event is going to be the title eliminator between uh, sariano and uh, unagi sayako so whether that is going to be part of a wider tournament to crown the first champion or whether that is literally a vacant championship match I don't know. I'm sort of leaning towards it being the first match in a wider tournament to crown the first champion. Yeah, it should be interesting, but I know that that uh, they sold out pretty fast. I know that they have a lot of views already and a lot of subscribers to their social media. So this is only going to help the state of Joshi wrestling. And I understand they're kind of going with the whole anime cosplay thing. And especially in New York, New York City, especially with New York Comic Con coming up in about a month, which I will be attending. Um, I understand that way, but just because I'm so easily confused, as you know. So now you're taking the wrestlers where I finally, you know, where I know their names and you're putting them in different kind of almost like superhero themes. It's really cool. But I really appreciate the uh, the fact that Scotty broke it down. Like, here's the name that they're going with. Here's the name you know. Regardless, there's a lot of stardom alumni on that match. A ton of talent on that show. And something that if they're streaming for free on TikTok, I recommend everybody go and check it out. Because it's going to be a hoot of a time, Rob Goodwin. Absolutely. And I'm I'm intrigued to see how this anime sort of way that they've gone with this i'm really intrigued to see how it plays out in terms of an actual show because we talked about it last week about how it was uh, quite a few people had said it was sort of lucha underground vibes which uh i was a huge fan of lucha underground so uh that i'd be more than up for that the one name for me that immediately jumps out is natsuki teo because i had no idea that she had come out of retirement you know, and we were just talking about her yesterday on the Patreon, which is which is bizarre. But yes, for coverage of Suki Ban, um, go and check out their social media, but also check out Scotty Wrestling because he breaks things down beautifully over on his Twitter. So let's move on to our show reviews. The two nights from the Five Star Grand Prix, night 16 and night 17. We start with night 16, Saturday the 16th of September 2023 from the Fukuoka Island City Forum in Fukuoka in front of 495 people. As per usual, I will go through the results and then we'll talk and cherry pick the matches that we're going to talk about. So, in terms of our own, Meisera defeated Waka Sukiyama in 6 minutes and 23 seconds with the shooting star. In a six-woman tag match, the Awedatai team of Starlight Kid, Momo Watanabe and Ruwaka defeated the Stars team of Hanan, Kogama and... <sighs> Sai Reader. With Momo submitting... <sighs> Sai Reader. In eight minutes and 18 better. seconds. It gets, it gets better, buddy. I gets know. Better. Oh, with the chicken wing. Um, in tag team action, Megan Bain and Suzu Suzuki defeated the team of Hanako and Utami Hayashishite in 7 minutes and 23, with Megan Bain debuting a new finish, what she's calling the choke bomb, uh, which is sort of like a sit-out tree slam for lack of a better phrase. Um, we've then got an a three-way tag match with the God's Eye team of Mirai and Saki Kashima, defeating the Club Venus team of Mina Shirakawa and Mariah May, and Sayoriano and Yuna Mizumori, with Saki pinning Yuna with the Kish Kasai in 7 minutes and 54 seconds. 
we then get to our three five-star Grand Prix matches. We start in red block with Tam Nakano moving to nine points, defeating Amisori, who remains on four points in 10 minutes and two seconds with the Tiger Suplex. We then get back-to-back Fukuoka natives with Hazuki in red block, moving to eight points, defeating Natsupoi, Uh, who remains on 9 points in 12 minutes and 29 seconds with the vertical drop Brain Buster. And then in your main event, the 5-star Grand Prix blue block match, Micah moves to 7 points, defeating Azumi, who remains on 6 points, hitting the Mishinoku Driver 2 in 8 minutes and 43 seconds. Before we talk about the 5-star Grand Prix matches, Matt, and despite some of the... I don't want to say big hitters, but obviously no Mayu, no Julia, no Utami, no Suri um, sort of taking part in these matches. Obviously, you have still got Tam, still got Hazuki, still got Micah, still got Natsupoi. For me, the MVP of this night, maybe Tam and Amisori wasn't my favorite match of the night. That would fall to Micah and Azumi. But Amisori was my MVP of the night because she threw everything at Tam during their match. I thought here was the brilliant epitomization and the brilliant culmination of her tournament. We knew she wasn't going to get many points, but there was more about performances, just like it is for Hannon, and we're going to be talking about Hannon later on in the show, but for me, Amisori knocked it out of the park, even in defeat against Tam. But before we talk any more about that what should people be going out of their way to see on this undercard rob goon i do not like to correct you um but i and i could be wrong you called maysara's finish the shooting star i believe it's called the rolling star i think the shooting star i, I think of the shooting star press i think she calls that roll up the rolling star and if i'm wrong i apologize but i think it's called the rolling star um Anywho, good sir, the undercard was pretty solid. If there's one match that you would want to watch on the undercard, it would be that Utami and Hanako versus Suzu Suzuki and Megan Bain, simply for the exchange between Suzu Suzuki and Utami. Literally, my note I have circled is I want to see a Utami Suzu Suzuki singles match in the worst way, my friend. Their throwdown was absolutely fantastic, and you can tell they have immediate chemistry in that ring. And we did see it when they did have the Artists of Stardom Championship match. I believe it was the main event of Cork and Hall, where, the, where it was Utami, uh, Utami Azumi, and Sayakamatani versus uh, the prominence team of Haragi, Arisa Sarah, and Suzu Suzuki, where they had really good exchanges there. So that is a match that I'm definitely penciled in that I would love to see somewhere down the line. Yeah, absolutely. And this Megan Bain and Suzu Suzuki team and throwing Maysayer in there, I feel like I compliment that team repeatedly. But they're so good. The dynamic is so good. And can we talk a little bit about how over Megan Bain is with the crowd? I honestly thought, and I, you know, I'm so glad I'm wrong. I thought she would be a flash in the pan. And come the end of Stardom X Stardom, when she lost to Tam in the towel match, I assumed she would be quietly forced down the card and then, you know, her tour would end and she'd leave. However, on this undercard, her matches and her chemistry with Suzu Suzuki, with Mei Sarah, and the way that they've booked her has made her must-see. So credit to Megan Bain and credit to Stardom, Matt. 
again, you have a roster that's stacked with the best wrestlers in the world, the Mayus, the Julius, the Suzu Suzuki's, uh, Sayakamatani's, the Utami's. Uh, I can go on and on and on. So you have Megan Bain coming in, and she's got to do something to stand out. And she's doing that. You know, you're not going to get a 35-minute, you know, five-star match, at least not, not the way that she's presenting her. And you don't want to because you already have a zillion wrestlers that are doing that. Can't you do that? It, possibly. She had a great match with Tam, blew everybody's expectations out the door. But she's presenting something completely different. When she comes out of that curtain, she completely separates. You, you literally can't take your eyes off her between her stoic look, her intensity, the uh, you know the gear, everything she has. And she's presented as such a star as that when she's teaming with a Micah, who's just as strong as her. When she's teaming with a Suzu Suzuki, who's just as violent as her. It all works. However, then she teams with the Maysera. Completely different chemistry, but it works. So it just goes to show the range that Megan Bain has. And again, in a roster that is completely stacked to the gills, she's doing a great job having her matches and her presentation stand out. So, yeah, excellent job on Stardom, the way that they're booking her and they have been booking her. And excellent job on her being able to execute the way that she has. So, and not only that, just the people, the uh, wrestlers she's teaming with and the wrestlers she's standing across the ring with as well. Everybody is doing a great job uh, to get Megan Bain over to the degree that she has. Yeah, absolutely. And what's important is she's being billed, you know, I keep going back to um, the interview that she gave where she wants to bring something that Stardom doesn't have. She wants to be, I think she referenced Brock Lesnar and The Undertaker, which, uh, is an interesting combo when you're talking about stardom, but she wanted to bring that sort of vibe. And you hear Brock Lesnar and, you know, you sort of worry about how the booking is going to affect other people um, and how it's going to affect her as well. But I think stardom have done a fantastic job of booking her as this monster, but also getting other people over. Because May Sarah, phenomenal wrestler, phenomenal wrestler. But the way she interacts with Megan Bain, the way Suzu Suzuki interacts with Megan Bain, the way that Megan Bain has become this sort of um, sort of mum to Suzu Suzuki and Micah and has to keep breaking up their arguments and she doesn't really want to have anything to do with them, but she's on a team with them. They've done really, really well integrating different things to make her less than just a one-dimensional monster. And I think that is credit to everyone involved. Hanako continues to impress me. Um, and obviously, there is a lot more focus on her with her being the only rookie on the card. But I think she continues to improve, continues to impress me, whether it's the strength with which she shows or whether it's the pace that she's able to sort of accelerate into in some of these moves as her confidence grows. I know that we talked a while ago about her maybe being in that Himika mold. And I think with Himika having retired, having bequeathed upon her the JP coaster, I'm seeing it more and more, this Himika connection with Hanako. And... I think she's doing very well to lean into that because that could be very, very good for her going forward, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. Great point, my friend. Great point. And when you think that Utami Hayashishta was in this match and she's the one we've talked about at least, <laughs> but even so, very good match. Go and check it out. Um, I want to talk about these five-star matches and I want to talk Let's about... Let's do that. Let's do it. If you, that's what you want to do, buddy... I'm here for you. Let's do it. Thank you so much. 
Um, <laughs> let's talk about Tam and Amisori because I think everyone came into this match knowing that Tam was going to win. Tam, of course, still has a chance of winning the block. Amisori has been eliminated and has been eliminated for a long time. However, we talked last year about how Hannon's performances um, really endeared herself to the crowds, even though she was losing. Um, you know, the same with Momokogo, perhaps not to the same extent, but, you know, it's not, as you've said before on this podcast, Matt, it's not the result, it's how you lose. And I think Amisori, especially in the last couple of weeks, has really embraced that because here she came out of the traps like you would not believe at Tam. And for the 10 minutes of this runtime, I would argue that it's 80% Amisori offense and she doesn't hold back she throws everything at Tam and it's only at the end when Tam is able to navigate and sort of weather that storm and finally hit that tiger suplex that she gets that foothold in the match because it does feel like Ami takes Tam very much by surprise in the early goings in this match yeah, you hit the nail right on the head, brother. It's not who goes over, who gets over. And I will say, Ami Sori, she might have had her best matches back-to-back, like in, in her career. Um, obviously, I've never seen her stuff before stardom, but this match with Tam, and then the next night, which we'll talk about with Suzu Suzuki. And Ami's had some really good matches. Her uh, white belt challenge with Saya Kamatani uh, uh, early this year is a really, really good underrated match that kind of gets lost in the shuffle of that monster uh, run from Sai Kamatani. But I will argue and say that Ami Sori's two best matches that she's had in her career happen on the 16th and then on the 17th because the one with Suzu is just as good. And again, we'll get into that when we get into the show on the 17th. But yeah, you're absolutely right. This is like 75, 80% Ami Sori and kudos to Tam. And I think we talked about this last week or the week before, where Tam is in these five-star matches. She's the champion. She is the world of stardom champion. She is the red belt champion. And a lot of these matches, she's just getting brutalized. And then she has her comeback, which is something different that we've seen. We've had Utami, we've had Shuri, and we've had um, Julia as your last three world of stardom champions. And whether they're in tag matches, five-star Grand Prix matches or championship matches, they've all been kind of like dominant, especially Shuri because she has an MMA background. She has an aura where it's like, you know, you're going to get your ass kicked. Where Tam in a lot of these matches, as hard of a hitter as she is, and as much as like her finishing offense with the Twilight Dream, with the violent screwdriver and the violent uh, shootings, is very, it is very, pun intended, violent. <laughs> but a lot of these matches, she's fighting from underneath. So it's a different champion than we've had over the last two or three years. And it's something different. We saw, you know, in the Megan Bain match, she, if you were to just look on that on paper, from a kayfabe standpoint, she's the underdog. This match with Tora, going into this match with Tora, uh, coming up October 9th, she can kind of be the underdog. She lost to Tora in the Cinderella tournament. She lost to Tora a few weeks ago in the five-star. Um, Tora has her number. So they, you're presenting Tam as a different champion, and it's a good way because Tam is pulling it off where she's very well improving on her selling and then her comeback when she fires up, when she gets that fourth gear and she's throwing those spin kicks and those pump knees and the violent shooting, it does wonders for Tam and even more for her opponent because her opponent very much can say, well, hey, I was, I had it. 
you know, I had her. And one of my big notes here is uh, as Tam gives Ami Sori a lot in this match, Ami is presented as a star and a threat, even to the point where this was to go to like a 15 minute time limit. And then maybe they ran it back a week or two after the five star with the red belt on the line. You would say, you know, what? I'll, I, that's a match I would like to see again because Ami Sori, who's never won, you know, the Wonder Belt, uh, never had a shot at the World Belt. You can present it that way just for the way that time gets Ami over here. And don't get me wrong, Ami does her job in fold, but you're going into a tournament. This is a tournament where we knew we were going to be elevating certain wrestlers, not to boy. Azumi. I don't think anybody can say that they are not main eventers. If Azo- if, yeah, Azami. If Azumi and not support were challenging for the yeah, a zombie, a zombie. I'm in the Halloween mode, brother. <laughs> Batman's wrestling for stardom. Look out, folks. Um, <laughs> if you were to present those, you know, getting Wonder World Belt, no one would sneeze at it. Now you have Ami Sori coming from you know under again. She only has four points, but she's getting over crazy in this tournament by the matches she's had, you know, with Mayu, with Hazuki, and now Tam and Suzu Suzuki. Uh, absolutely unbelievable the way that Tam is able to just eat the onslaught from Amisori here, and then especially that Blue Thunderbomb. Holy jeez, I was like, you still got a couple matches left, folks. You're going to break the ring. I mean, she puts poor Tam right through the ring with that brutal Blue Thunderbomb. They do a great job building up towards that like a thunderbolt and it's a move that's very well protected i don't think anybody's kicked out of it but they do a great job teasing it and how are certain people going to get out of it tam does a great job by turning the tide towards the tail end of this match by hitting that reverse ddt and then switching her strategy up literally into the fourth quarter to borrow a football term uh, uh american football term sorry rob uh and then to change her strategy and then go to the neck with the violent shootings, and then uh, she crushes Ami with a pair of kicks that leaves the opening for the Tiger Suplex. I absolutely love this match. I actually had it four and a half stars. I loved it that much. Wow. I mean, again, I gave it four stars. Um, I, I just, I love the performance of both women, and the fact that the World of Stardom champion is putting over Amisori, even in defeat really does go a long way um and ami is going to come out of this tournament a really really reinvigorated and that's what being in this block should have been um we move on then to hazuki and natsupoi hazuki has to win every single match that she's got left to remain in the tournament she started with a victory over Natsupoi, it was always going to happen there in fukuoka they weren't going to have hazuki lose um but this was a predictively a predictably rather good match. However, I think they've got another gear. Now, whether that's because, you know, 15-minute time limit in the five-star or whether it's a litany of other things, I still think that, you know, I gave this four and a quarter stars. Really enjoyed the match. You've got Natsupoy, who is perhaps riding the crest of the biggest wave of her career at the moment. She seems to be completely incapable of wrestling a poor match ever, but certainly at the moment. And you've got Hazuki, of course, who's reinvigorated and is potentially going to be looking at topping Red Block. It was always going to be a good match. However, I wonder if they are going to run it back at some point because I just felt like they left something, not in a bad way, but just as a little tease. And that might just be me. I might just be being completely out of my mind. But ultimately, correct result, fantastic match. I There is a very, very strong case for Natsupoi being the MVP of this tournament. 
whether she doesn't pick up another point, which, you know, is is a possibility because looking at who she has got left, she's got Tam. Um, she had Amisori on the 18th um, and she's got Tam on the 30th. You know, there is a possibility she won't pick up another point. She might manage to get a victory over Amisori, but I doubt she beats Tam, especially with, you know, all of the... Uh, all of the debacle around Utami and the injury. But I don't think I'm on my own when I say that she has been perhaps the wrestler of the tournament, Matt. Rob, I will agree with you on two points you just made, buddy. Number one, you are crazy. And that's why we absolutely love you. And number two, Natsupoy, as of this recording, is my MVP of the tournament. And <laughs> we still have some more to go, brother. We still have more to go because Azumi's starting to come up and creep up for that case. Um, Maybe I see your point a little bit where uh, they left a little on the table. You had at four and a quarter. I had at four and a half. If they were to run this back maybe in a few months with one of these wrestlers either holding the white or red belt and had them go maybe about 20 minutes, I can see them hitting closer to the five-star mark. So I see that point of view. Mm-hmm. Now, Rob, I cannot confirm nor deny, but based on some of the strikes I saw from these matches – I believe, again, I cannot confirm or deny that both of these wrestlers had to sign waivers that nobody would get sued or get arrested or press charges. Because, <laughs> boy, there is – there even, like, Natsupoy throws the uh, – she does the boot scrapes and face washes. She hits that, you know, basement DDT, which she does quite a bit. But she had a little extra stank on it for throwing on Hazuki, maybe as a receipt from their match from last year because, oh, boy, Hazuki beat the crap out of uh, Natsupoy. But yeah, I mean, she her throwing that low spin kick. I mean, Hazuki with the uh, the dive, both of them with their dives to the floor, um, really kind of going back and forth. Uh, and then you know, Hazuki going whole, full Hazuki mode on Natsupoy. Um, I think she might have t- thrown two or three extra. Uh, <laughs> usually, when she collapses her opponent on going full Hazuki mode, and what we mean by that, folks, how we how we say Hazuki going full Hazuki mode is when Hazuki takes her left hand and she cups her opponent's back of her neck and she just starts throwing several forearms, like shotgun forearms, that like constantly going, and then her opponent will collapse. And then she'll maybe throw one more and then go to the, and then she'll get the crowd involved. Uzuki has really good at getting the crowd involved in her matches, but like Natsupoi crumbled to the floor from going into full Hazuki mode. And Hazuki just kept throwing, <laughs> just kept throwing the forearms. It was like, what more do you want? Like she's already on the ground. Hazuki. Like, holy jeez. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, and then Natsupoi comes back with that low spin kick that she beat Hanan with in the tournament last year. The one she threw at Tam during their feud last year, about 4,000 times in their Cork and Hall main event. Uh, just really good stuff back and forth. There was some really cool finishes with uh, Natsupoi's won a lot of these matches with the Fairy Magic, which is her version of the Maestra Cradle. And Natsupoi gets out, and this is where this match really kicked up an extra gear for me. Um, not it, it, the whole match was fantastic, but what really kind of broke from four and a quarter to four and a half stars for me is Kazuki goes for the Brain Buster, which is her go-to, you know, hold. She's got a lot of different ways she can beat you, but that's her bread and butter, her nuclear finish, if you will. And then Natsupoi gets out. She goes to lock in the Fairy Magic on Hazuki. Again, she's won a lot of matches in this tournament with the Fairy Magic. She's beaten Mayu with it. She beat Starlight Kid on night one. And as she's rolling her with it, Hazuki just stops and cradles her and is able to get a two, uh, 2.9 count. And then Hazuki goes for the Hazuki straw. 
And then Natsupoi returns the favor, and then she's able to stack Hazuki. So they did a great job building up to that finish. And then Hazuki just like, you know what? I'm just going to go full violent mode in order for me to get the win here. She gets a huge corner code breaker, the top rope senton, and then is able to chain, chain that to be able to hit the brain buster in about 12 and a half minutes. Yeah, love this match. Four and a half stars, sir. And then on top of that, we finish with Micah versus Azumi. And it's worth noting that after her match, Hazuki did take to the microphone to talk uh, to talk to the Fukuoka audience and said, maybe just for tonight, we should support Micah because she's also from Fukuoka, um, but just for tonight. She stressed that about four times, just for tonight. Um, uh, but this was another fantastic match, you know, you talked about the coming of age of Azumi and the fact that she's so much more than a high-speed wrestler. Here, the disparity between the power of Micah and the speed of Azumi just worked so well. And especially, this match only goes eight minutes. Eight minutes, 43 seconds. And they cram so much into it. And it feels like, for a while, Micah is struggling to navigate the speed with which Azumi is wrestling. And the fact that Azumi seems to have an answer and a roll-up and a reversal for every single thing that Micah throws at her. And then at the end, it just proves too powerful. She just manages to hit that powerbomb on Azumi, and that changes the entire complexion of the match. Michinoku Driver 2 and the win. I thought this was the perfect showcase for both wrestlers, especially Azumi, who was so brutal in her offense. There was one moment where she literally just kicks out Micah's arm from underneath her as she's attempting to get up, and it sounded and looked brutal. And that edge is something I want to see more of from Azumi. But for Micah, she's able to weather that storm, and then ultimately she's grown as a performer. These are the matches that she would have lost in previous tournaments. We've seen her lose in previous tournaments, yet here she's willing, she's able to weather the Azumi storm and pop up powerbomb right at the right moment and things are beginning to click for her after a fairly indifferent start to the tournament she's still in the tournament this does a world of good for it gives her the tiebreaker breaker over Azumi who needs a lot of help to stay in the tournament at this point but Micah here it felt like a very different wrestler it felt like there was far more to her than there has been in prior tournaments. And that seems to be the story we're telling for a lot of wrestlers. But ultimately, Micah, able to weather the high-speed stuff for Zumi, able to overpower her with the powerbomb and the Michinoku driver. Fantastic match. Really, really good. Four and a quarter stars. This was my favorite match of the uh, these two nights we're reviewing here, brother. Um, I mentioned, I think probably the last two or three weeks on the show, that Izumi, that obviously she's perfect at the high-speed style, but she's wrestling a lot of these matches in this tournament almost as a counter-wrestler. And this is like the perfect example. You have the match. It's like you see the psychology going. You kind of know what the match is going to be, but you see it going right. What it's going to be about forty seconds in, where the Zoomy's doing a lot of the high speed stuff, and Micah, the power wrestler, finally grabs the Zoomy. What's the first thing she does? She dumps her over the top rope. Maybe she wants to go to WrestleMania, Rob. I don't know. And it was very violent dump over the top rope. I'm like, okay, this is how this one's going to go. Micah hits this. She kind of date. I don't know if she's ever done this before, uh, before this tournament, but she does a running lariat off the apron. 
I've never seen her do it before, and I could be wrong, but she does it in almost every match in the, in this tournament. And just like that, uh, you know, the release power bomb that she's been doing, it's another move into her already impressive arsenal. So she hits the running lariat. She gets a little cocky for own too good. Azumi hits the uh, Rana jumping off the apron that she does so much, and then hits a double stomp running off the apron. So we're like two minutes in, and this is what we have. So it's like, okay, we're going to cram a lot in here. Like you said, brother, in less than nine minutes, and it's your main event. Um, I liked how Uzumi, she's trying to get the La Mystica in to get to the armbar. That's her bread and butter is to go to the armbar. Every time she goes for it, Micah's able to counter. She counters it, you know, by, uh, by shooting her off. She counters one with the clothesline and she counters, she does one with the fall away slam. And then as Micah's building her momentum, she goes for the superplex. And this thing was uh, mean to death all over Twitter or X or whatever it's called. I mean, I saw it a thousand times before I even saw the match. But Azumi just flips out and lands on her feet. And I was like, I have no idea what her shins or her knees or her feet are made of. But the way that she's just able to land on her feet on everything. I mean, uh, pardon me, you know, as this recording yesterday, we recorded the cage match where she does the double stomp off the top of the cage onto Starlight Kid and then uses Starlight Kid's body to spring up and then run off the top of the cage. I'm like, how is that possible? Azumi's just like not human. So, but then she's able to finally get the La Mystica and how she's able to do it is, and I say this all the time, Azumi has is one of the most underrated strikers in stardom. And you have some of the bet. You have Julia, great striker. Mayu, great striker. Obviously, Shuri, Momo. I can go on and on and on. But how she's able to finally get the La Mystica to get into the double armbar as she hits this brutal head kick on the much stronger and powerful Micah. Um, they wind up going back and forth. Azumi does a great job working the arm of Micah. And then if you remember last year, last year of this tournament, Azumi was able to pin Micah by going back-to-back -back with the Canadian Destroyer into the, the Azumi Sushi. So she hits it here, but Micah's able to kick out. Azumi tries to start running a little high speed, but her high speed might have just been a little bit too fast because then Micah just absolutely drills Azumi with the 360 Lariat, hits a huge powerbomb. Uh, Anka Toshi scores her two count, and then she finally puts Azumi away with the Mijinoku driver. Yeah, this was great. This was brilliant. We This just adds on more to how much we love Micah and adds on how much more we love Azumi. And I think as soon as I got done watching this match, I tweeted out, I'm like, you can make a case for Azumi being the best wrestler in the world. Just for her, and she, she's just a few days away from being 21 years old, which is absolutely insane. Rob, I don't know what you were doing when you were 20 years old. I was sneaking beers and probably failing a college class when I was 20. I wasn't being the best wrestler in the world like Azumi is. That's for damn sure. But it's just, I'm just a huge fan of Azumi. I just love her work, the way she's able to go from high speed to technical wrestling, to great psychology, to great storytelling, to be a great singles wrestler, a great tag wrestler, a great trios wrestler. I mean, this girl at 20 years old can really do it all. And oh, by the way, Rob, this Micah, she's pretty good as well. Four and three-fourth stars. Wow. Wow. Um, I have sort of looked back at my rating and I have gone up. I've given it four and a half. I thought it was really, really good and a fantastic example of both women's abilities. Um, it's funny you should mention about Azumi being the best wrestler in the world, especially when you consider her age. Um, when I was 20, there is a high probability that I was crying and contemplating my life's choices. I certainly was not 
being the best wrestler on the planet. That is for damn sure. Um, let's move on then to night 17, the final show we're going to be talking about today from Sunday, the 17th of September 2023 in, and this is perhaps the greatest named venue in the history of stardom. Are you ready, Matt? I'm excited, but my friend. Oh, my God. The Saga City Moradomi Cultural Gymnasium Heartful from Saga. What a name. What a venue name. And 518 people were crammed inside. Let's talk about the results. We open with a singles match with Sayurija getting a victory over Hanako with a modified stretch plum in 6 minutes and 46 seconds. I have never, Matt, been happier about an opening singles match than I was on this card. About damn time. Rob, Rob, Rob correct me if I'm wrong. Um, by my calculation, I believe this is Saida's fourth single win during the five-star. So that puts Saida up to eight points <laughs> in, the green, in the green block. <laughs> <laughs> she is definitely winning the green block. Um, we then had a three-way tag team match. The Ueda tag team of Ruwaka and Starlight Kid defeating the club Venus team of Mina Shirakawa and Wakasukiyama and the Queen's Quest team of Azumi and Utami Hayashishita. In six minutes and 31 seconds, Starlight Kid submitting Waka with the black tie. Tiger Leg Killer. Tag team match, the team of Micah and Megan Bain defeated the Cosmic Angels team of Tam Nakano and Yuna Mizumori in 8 minutes and 31 seconds. Megan Bain hitting that choke bomb again onto Yuna. We then had the ridiculously fun high-speed five-way match, um, which saw Kogama defeating Kazuki, Meisera, Natsupoi, and Saki Kashima in 6 minutes and 15 seconds. Um, in perhaps the most gifable match on uh, on the entire show. Um, we then have our five-star matches. Momo Watanabe moves to eight points, defeating Hannon, who remains on two points. Hannon, of course, long ago eliminated from the tournament with the Hito Danashi driver in 10 minutes and 59 seconds. Spoiler, another great showing for Hannon. Um, we then have more blue block action. Mirai moving to eight points, defeating Mariah May, who stays on six points in 12 minutes and 53 seconds with the Miramare Shock. And then in your main event, we talked about it earlier, another fantastic showing for Amisori. The Red Block saw Suzu Suzuki move to eight points, defeating Amisori, who stays on four points in 11 minutes and 29 seconds with the Tequila Shot. Um, now, Matt... A couple of things to come out of this show. This victory from Suzu over Amisori, if it wasn't already the most important night of the tournament coming up, the 23rd of September, Suzu Suzuki versus Hazuki is so pivotal because the loser will be eliminated and the pressure is on Hazuki because um, Suzu already has two points in the bank because she was supposed to be taking on Saya Kamatani on the final night, as we mentioned last week. So this victory here against another ridiculously motivated performance from Amisori was so important, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, now I have to take a look once we get off this uh, podcast. I'm going to take a look at all the different scenarios, especially with uh, 
you know, put the, uh, Utami's, uh, you know, injury. Again, even if Utami is able to come back and do the final matches with Han and Julia, she did give, does give up those two points to Mirai from that match from today. So, yeah, a lot of things shaken up. I, and I'm going to have to see what if, because if you're going to ask me who wins that match between Hazuki and uh, Suzu Suzuki, other than me and you, uh, for the enjoyment, that one might go to the old TLD, my man. We haven't seen Rossi pull out the TLD in about a few <laughs> weeks, so that one may come there. But it's going to be a phenomenal match. I can't wait to see the sheer violence that's going to happen on that one. And can we just say, like, Hazuki, how awesome is Hazuki? She comes to the ring smiling, looking like a million bucks, waving, taking pictures, and that bell rings, and she just turns into an absolute savage. I was like, remember that gimmick that Doc Owls used to do when he was, like, festless in the WWE, <laughs> where, like, once the bell rang, he, that's the way it is, but, this is, but done way better. Way better. No disrespect to one Doc Gallows, who's a really, really good brother. I've been on a zillion shows with him before he, you know, broke out to be the big star that he is. But that's what that has done right. You know, she comes in, again, looking like a million bucks. And then that bell rings, and it's just like, oh, boy, it's on. And Suzu Suzuki very much is, like, very stoic. Like, you know, when she comes to the ring, she's not, not like she's with Megan Bain or something. She comes to the ring, she's very stoic, very, like, you know, like, it's going to be a violent match. But anywho, um, yeah, this was a really, really good show. Uh, the fact that that five-way high-speed match was almost like FWC versus the three, you know, versus, like, May, Sarah, Saki, Kashima, Natsupoy. And then all of a sudden just goes completely off the rails, and it goes to the outside, and I'm like... Obviously, the main draw of this card is the five-star. Like, no disrespect to the undercard matches. Like, it's nice to see everybody come in and, you know, they get their time in and you, you set stuff up. Obviously, they set up, you know, in the three-way tag, they set up to a Zoomies 10th anniversary match. We'll get to that in a minute. But, like, they go to the outside and I was like, wouldn't this be funny if this ends in, like, a four-way countout with Kagama winning? And <laughs> it sure did. And I was like, that is the perfect finish. Like, obviously, if it was pay-per-view and it was for the title, I might have felt a little robbed. But I was like... Oh man, that was great. Cause you know you're gonna get like violent hard hitting matches in these last three, uh these last three five star matches and we did. But yeah, going back uh real quick, first of all, congratulations, Saida, eight points in the green star block. I'm super excited to see see her where she's gonna finish on the final night of this tournament. But uh yeah, the three way tag with Azumi Utami versus Mino Waka and Starlight Kid Ruwaka that ultimately sets up um that was funny how like at first when the match happened, when the ma- you know, when the graphic came up, I'm like this has got to be a win for Azumi and Utami, right? Because they're going on October 9th for the tag belts. Starlight Kid gets the submission win, and I was like, that's kind of an interesting choice. But then I see why. Starlight Kid gets the microphone, basically challenges Azumi, saying, Hey, you got your 10th anniversary match coming up. You need to wrestle Starlight Kid. And Azumi's like, Yeah, we've done that a thousand times before, and we'll probably do it another thousand times. But I want to have a tag match. And then Utami's like, hey, I'm right here. Let's do a tag match. And then you have, it's like, it's like, well, I need a tag partner. Who can it be? And out comes Momo Watanabe. Not Rob Goodwin. I, as you know, I do not have a single favorite wrestler in stardom. However, I do have a favorite faction, as you know, good sir. So you have, in this match, you have the longest tenure member of Queen's Quest, Izumi. You have the current leader of Queen's Quest in Utami, and then the longest leader of Queen's Quest, Momo Watanabe, in this match. Oh, and who's the fourth person? Yeah, Starlight Kid. What a great 10th anniversary match this is going to be. Completely agree. Completely agree. Um, uh, I, <laughs> just speaking about this five-way match, sorry. Uh, obviously, Kogama winning 
by four-way countout makes the most sense when you look at how this match was wrestled. But can we just take a moment to appreciate Saki Kashima, who throughout this match did everything possible to not engage with the other four people in the ring, and at one point stood in the centre of the ring as all four women wrestled round her. It would honestly, considering the title, like, runs we've had with the high-speed title, and I know I've said this before with Azumi Natsupo and Starlight Kid, where we just expected fantastic matches, this run of Saki Kashima desperately attempting to defend the belt and to wrestle matches without actually engaging with people is phenomenal comic work. And uh, I'm <laughs> considering it went six minutes, I do encourage you to go and check it out because it is incredibly exciting and incredibly fun to watch. Um, speaking of um, the talent in that match that you just talked about, that three-way tag, like the depth in Stardom's roster, and not only the depth, but the youth in Stardom's roster is frightening. Like, Utami, I think, is 23. Three, maybe 24. Azumi's 20. Ruaka isn't even. I don't think she's 18 yet, or she might just be 18. Starlight Kids, 20. Um, you know, there's so much talent, and we've got them for so long as well. Like, Starlight Kid is phenomenal. Azumi's phenomenal. Neither woman has reached their peak yet. That is frightening, Matt. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, Utami just had her birthday, I believe. Uh, so she just turned 24. So Zumi's birthday is the day before my daughter. So she'll turn 21. Suzuki's 20 or 21. No, she's 20. She's 20 because... Um, so yeah, I guess I think Starlight Kid is like the same age as Azumi. And then you have Hana, Rina, uh, Hina as well. It's just like, holy jeez. Like, it's just absolutely insane. It's like 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 Mayu is like the senior member of this roster at like thirty years old or whatever. However old she is, it's just yeah, you're right. I mean, we're only the best is yet to come from you know the wrestlers of the young twenties of a Suzu Suzuki and Azumi and a Starlight Kid, and uh, yeah, it's 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 absolutely insane. It's absolutely insane on just how loaded this roster is with uh, with talent at such a young age. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. Speaking of young ages, Hannon in this match with Momo Watanabe. What a fantastic performance. She's won one match all tournament. She's one and six, I believe. And yet here, there was very, very tangible moments where you were like, she's going to win this. She's going to upset Momo. And the chemistry these two had, you know, we didn't have Momo just relying on bat shots. We had the fantastic reversals of the B-Driver, the really good baby face pop that we got for Hannon throughout this entire match. I thought she did phenomenally well. Um, ultimately, losing was probably the right choice, especially as we try and stack um, the top of this blue block. But ultimately, what a performance from Hannon, Matt, who I've said before, I will say again, is a future World of Stardom champion and the heir apparent in babyface to Mayu Iwatani. I wholeheartedly believe that. Yeah, I agree with you. I think she's she's going to be the first wrestler to capture everything. Like I can see her getting up maybe even a high-speed run because she could just take her offense and just speed it up just a little, and it would make sense in the high-speed division. I see her winning the Wonder Belt. I see her winning the World Belt. Um, she can really do it all at such a young age. I think just turned 19... You mentioned that Momo Watanabe, Rob Goodwin, did not need to learn on bat shots. 
kind of disagree with you because she did bat chats, but with her feet, because she must have kicked <laughs> Conan about 40 times. And it was in, in it, you know, and it made, uh, you know, let me back up a little. I'm going to say something. I don't want you to get mad at me, my friend. I'm really starting to like Hana's new theme. Do I no, like it better than the old no. theme? Hold on. Hold on. Let me finish. Let me finish. Do I like it better than the old theme? No, I don't. But I am enjoying it very much. And I'm going to say something else again. You're going to get mad. Julia's new theme. No, no. Absolutely not. No. Is it better? That's it. That's it. We're ending the podcast right here, right now. Thank you so much for listening, you guys. Um, Absolute disgraceful behavior from you, Turner. Like, the Hannon theme, I can sort of understand. But the bloody royalty-free lounge music that Julia's coming out to now, no. I I blame that music for her dropping the World of Stardom Championship. That's how bad it is. Don't you come to me with your positivity about that bloody song. No. Anyway, Bumble Watanabe <laughs> versus Hana. Great match. Hana using chain wrestling and counter chain wrestling to get the advantage on Momo. And Momo would just go to the kicks, which I absolutely love. Very much like her Wonder of Stardom Championship run. For all you um, fantastic Patreon members, Rob and I did a complete review of that. So it is in your Patreon feed. Um, and if you wish to listen to that, it's only $3, folks. Go go subscribe. There's a lot of cool stuff on there. Anywho, so I just loved it how then Momo would try something else and Hana would counter it. And Momo would get the advantage back by going to kicks. And it makes sense. It's literally her, you know, for lack of a better term, her Mike Tyson uppercut or her, you know, her left jab that would basically get the advantage back. Like Okada using the drop kick, like Mayu using the super kick. And in this match, it's Hanan is able to reverse a good majority of what Momo needs to do. Um, and then Momo again going back to the kicks. Uh, you know, Momo hits the Yurnagi, goes for the Samato, misses. And when she does, Hana follows up with that huge uh, running European uppercut, you know, that move that she added to her arsenal. But this one, she does one right to the back of Momo's neck. It's just like, well, Momo's going to bring the stiff, then Hana's going to bring the stiff. Uh, so I thought that was really good. Um, it was a really cool spot where Momo gets the advantage back by again using the kicks, uh, using the uh, she locks Hana in the crossface chicken wing. Hana gets the rope. Momo goes to the top rope for the top rope. Samato. Hana is able to counter and gets up and uh, basically slams Momo from the top rope. Hana's special again that stiff European uppercut. Momo is able to come back with a really stiff kick. Uh, Hana is able to she gets a back suplex with Momo on the top rope, which I thought was really really cool, really great visual, just showing that maybe Hana can pull this upset off with momo in the running here blue stars if she in the blue star block if she loses to hanan it's going to really hurt her chances here so hanan again who only has two points in this match really does a great job pulling uh playing spoiler especially in the underdog babyface role um but I really liked how this match finished. Um, Hanan is able to, uh, uh, Momo goes for the B driver. Hanan is able to roll Momo up, Mo- roll Momo up, gets a two count, and then Momo throws a head kick. Now, it's only been mid kicks pretty much for the entire match for her. Goes to throw the big Mirko Krokop style head kick. Hanan ducks, sweeps Momo's leg out, and then does the 17 roll up for 2.9 on and watching this match the crowd really bit on um and but then when they break up on the fall the way that hanan just turns right into that stiff super stiff crocop style head kick from momo that leads to the uh the b driver the bastard driver for the three count again great tournament for hanan momo watanabe showing why io shirai back five years ago 
handed over the reins of Queen's Quest to her when she was just 18 years old. Again, Momo, she's only 23, 24 years old. Here's another one. Got another one that's very young, in her young 20s, that is going on. And very quietly, somebody else you can tag as MVP of this tournament. Uh, a great showing from both these wrestlers. And it got it done in about 11 minutes. I had this at four and a quarter stars, partner. Uh, exactly the same. Exactly the same. I thought it was a really, really good showing for both women. Um, speaking of a good showing, Mirai has managed to turn around her really spotty early tournament form, um, coming away with another victory over Mariah May. Mariah May still in the running in the tournament, but it would take a significant amount of upheaval at the top of the block for her to top it. What has your opinion been on Mariah May's tournament? Do you think there are still doubters, or do you think that she has managed to quieten all of those doubters, Matt? I think she's been able to quiet a lot of the doubter, the doubters for a lot of different reasons. She's able to wrestle the submission style. She's able to wrestle the hard-hitting style. We've seen her improve on selling. We've seen her improving in tag matches. We've seen her improving on the big moves. We've seen her being able to surprise a lot of wrestlers with you know how she was able to upset Momo Watanabe with that roll-up that I believe she calls Once Upon a Time. The fact that she's going out there and she's having so much fun in these matches, you know, whether the undercard matches, you know, teaming with Mina and Waka and whatnot, you know, we saw in Cork and Hall that she came out with a Waka on her shoulders. Like it reminded <laughs> me of like the, yeah, the full-blooded Italians with, uh, with little Guido. Little and Big Guido, Sally. yeah. Yeah. So, so there's your, there's your comparison folks. There's your ECW reference that she just, she just seems like she's having so much fun. And if you follow her on any of her social medias, which I suggest that you do, she's just having so much fun. She's having possibly feud of the year, with May Sarah and the fact that they've not, and I'm talking just on Twitter alone or X or whatever it's called, like the fact that like they're sitting with each other on the bus and it's just like, I just want to throw her off the bus right now. It's like, this is like feud of the year. And it's not even happening in front of the cameras, <laughs> the way she's able to sell it. I mean, she really is the complete package. And she did mention on Twitter that she is not eligible to win the five star. And a lot of people think because she is not on the Goddess of Stardom uh, tournament that she's heading her way to either WWE or AEW. But she did say, fortunately, I will not be able to win the five star, but there's always next year. So maybe something's happening. Maybe she's just working us. I don't know. She's fantastic in the ring. She's working her ass off. She's having a great time. She's very engaging with her fans. Mariah May, for somebody who... Eight months ago, I had no idea who she was. Is completely taking this stacked starting roster by storm and is having a fantastic tournament. Oh, and by the way, Mariah's really good too. She was great here, you know, with the submissions and the mirror Mariah's and the, the lariats and the way they were able to kind of weave in and out with certain counters. So you didn't know where it was going to go, but eventually it was a huge lariat and the mirror Mariah shock, which we haven't seen Mariah win a lot of matches with, you know, this year with. That was kind of one of that and the double wrist lock was kind of a bread and butter. So it was nice to see her hit a thunderous lariat to set up the Mir Mirai shock. So uh, both Mirai, phenomenal tournament, blowing out of the water. Uh, Mirai May uh, as well. And interesting to see what's going to happen with Mirai after this five-star. I don't her expect her to win, but you, we do have coming up on the ninth drop. She's going to finish really strong. I mean, she's on eight points. She's Even if she doesn't have another win, eight points in this kind of condensed shorter tournament is a really good mark to have. And then we're going to see on the ninth, she's going to be wrestling Momo Watanabe. They've teased a Wonder of Stardom Championship match with Sayori Anu. And then I think after those two successful title defenses, depending what's going on with Mina, Mina did defeat Mirai 
early in the tournament and did say she wants a shot back at the Wonder of Stardom Championship. That's where I think they go with that. But again, the tournament could be, you know, up in jeopardy. But the Mirai's schedule after this tournament is only going to build her up, considering the fact, again, we have a Mama Watanabe Wonder Stardom match that is official, probably a Sayori Anu. Uh, Ano, excuse me, I'm going to get that right, with a Tumps Tundra, and then possibly a Mina Shirakawa match as well. So uh, only big things for Mirai on the horizon, my friend. Yeah, completely agree. Mirai May, 24 years old, by the way, it's worth noting. So another one for the future, especially if Stardom can somehow hold on to her. I know that she has teased that an upcoming show is going to be a big show. So I don't know if we have got an announcement coming soon. Um, I don't know, but this match was absolutely brilliant. And I think this match shows just what a fantastic wrestler Mariah May is. Now, don't get me wrong, Mariah, brilliant, has really, really come to terms with her role in these matches. But for me, Mariah May really, really excelled in this match that Mariah Cutter um, actually managed to hoist Mariah onto her shoulders and then hit the Mariah Cutter was fantastic. Some of the kicks that she landed into the face of Mariah were absolutely brutal. I'd be amazed if Mariah isn't walking around with a footprint emblazoned on her cheek uh, at the end of this match. But if, you know, if this is the last time we see Mariah May, you know, and she doesn't come back for the tournament next year and she does go on to WWE or AEW or whatever, um, I think she's done a tremendous amount of good work in stardom. And I think, you know, she's far surpassed any expectations, even the most positive person could have had. I think she's not only connected with a fan base that don't speak the same language as her, but she's done it effortlessly. So I'm sure Mariah May doesn't listen to this podcast, but Mariah May, if for some reason you are listening, um, tremendous work. Well done. Um, and you will be sorely missed if you do leave stardom. Um, we move on then to the main event, Suzu Suzuki and Ami Sorry, I'm conscious of the time just because I've got to go and give George his painkillers. But Matt, another fantastic performance by Ami Sorry in this one. You knew what you were going to get, especially the fact that you see Ami Sorry the night before with that brutal match with and brutal, I mean hard hitting good. And Suzu Suzuki brings the violence, and you knew what you were going to get. It's like I went to a steakhouse, I ordered steak, and they brought me a steak because that's what I wanted. That's what happened here. This was brutal back and forth with just the forearms, the chops, the kicks, the boot scrapes. Just really great back and forth action here. Um I really liked how Suzu is able to uh, – Ami Sori had that high-angle Boston Crab that she works in quite a bit. But then Suzu Suzuki is able to almost do like a uh, like a push-up from there and is able to counter with a Hurricanrana. We've never seen the Ami Sori's high-angle Boston Crab counter that way. So I thought it was really cool and really uh, innovative from Suzu Suzuki. And we've seen Suzu use this submission a handful of times but it's basically she wraps you into a knee bar and then she takes her leg and she puts it over your head into a neck crank. And then she grabs your arm and slowly works into the double wrist lock. It's like three submissions in once. And I absolutely love it, especially like when you get the camera work a certain way and kudos to the fantastic camera people over at stardom and stardom world for able to catch it. So when she's like working into the double wrist lock, she gets Ami's wrist and is able to like twist it like 180 degrees one way 
and 180 degrees in the other way and then locks in the double wrist lock. I absolutely love that. Just another wrinkle in the fantastic offense that is Suzu Suzuki. Um, Amisori gets the advantage back by throwing just blistering chops onto Suzu Suzuki and then sets her up for a top rope German suplex. Suzu is able to get out and hits this disgusting spider German suplex. Yikes, that was something. Um, eventually, Suzu is able to then just really pour on more offense onto Amisori. She hits that kick trio that she's pretty well perfected on this uh, on on this uh, tournament and then is able to hit back-to-back the tequila shot into the German suplex for a three-count. I thought the kind of way this match was building, maybe Ami would have hit one or two more things to tease towards the finish in the end, uh, maybe just to give her a little more offense. But regardless, this match was fantastic. It was hard-hitting. Uh, Suzu able to blitz Ami at the end of the match, with really that spider-German suplex really spelling the doom for the former Wonder of Stardom champion. Uh, excellent stuff, and uh, I had it four and a quarter stars. Yeah, I had it at four stars. I thought another really, really good um, Amisori match. Suzu Suzuki just continues to be a star, um, and her star is only going to rise. She is one of those people like a Hannon, but even more imminently, I can see them building the entire company around. She's got absolutely everything she's got effortless charisma she's got a fantastic move set my one complaint and it's not a big complaint it's not even a complaint i'd love to see her adapt a new finisher just because the tequila shot great move obviously adapted and inherited from tequila sire i just think sometimes it's extremely convoluted to get into the move I'd love to see her have either a secondary finish or move the tequila shot to be a secondary finish and create a new one that is slightly less contrived to get into. That is my one very, very minor complaint about Suzu Suzuki, who is rapidly, rapidly becoming a person you cannot ignore on this roster. She is coming and there's nothing you can do about it. Looking at these blocks then, obviously we are two nights in arrears. We're not going to be talking about the show from, I believe, Yamagata on the 18th or the show from the 20th. Yamaguchi, sorry, on the 18th or indeed from Osaka on the 20th. So as it stands from the shows that we've talked about today, no confirmed eliminations People are still mathematically in the tournament, but it's going to take a lot for some of these people to get in. Um, Natsupoi still remains second in the block. Red Stars stays with Tora at the top on 12. Natsupoi, Suri, and Tam all on nine points. Um, Suzu Suzuki on eight, Hazuki on eight, and then eliminated Mayu seven, Amisori four, Starlight Kid four. The Blue Stars block, honestly, it is anyone's game at this point. Julia sits at the top on nine, Utami eight, Mirai eight, Seoria Nu eight, Momo eight, Micah seven, Mariah May six, Mina six, Azumi six, and the only person actually eliminated from Blue Block as it stands is Hannon, who sits at one and six. Um, in terms of matches left, this is where things get really, really interesting. Hazuki, Suzu, Suzuki, and Tam have all got two matches left. Um, Suri 
has got three left. Natsupoi has got two left. Tora has one left. Blue block, again, it's anyone's game. Julia has two left. Utami has three left. Mirai has two left. Uh, Seoriano only has one left. Um, again, Seoriano, despite being on eight points, it's looking increasingly unlikely that she is going to get um, to the final um, especially if she's only got one match left. She can only get a maximum of 10 points. A Julia victory eliminates her. Momo has got two left. Uh, Micah has got three left. Mariah May's got two left. Mina has got three left. And Azumi has got two left. Matt, we're no closer to finding out who is going to win. But by next week, and this is sort of a segue into our preview for what we're going to be looking at next week. See what I did there? I learned from the best. Um, this, by the end of our podcast next week, we should have a very, very clear idea of who is going to be heading into that final night and who is going to be sort of the spoilers heading in. So next week, we are going to be previewing New Blood 11. We're going to be previewing the five-star final which emanates from the 30th of September from Yokohama Budokan. A can't-miss night. It's going to be incredible. However, the matches that we need to take a look at, I'm just quickly going to read through just the five-star ones. The show from the 18th on Monday, so the Monday just gone, Natsupoi versus Siori, uh, versus Amisori from Red Block, Mina versus Momo from Blue Block. Also on the undercard, Hazuki and Mayu versus Utami and Azumi. On the undercard? On the undercard? What? That's going to be incredible. If it goes to a 15-minute time limit draw, hell yes, Matt Turner. Um, we've then got on the 20th, which was today, as we record, Tam versus Suri. That could really make things interesting in Red Block. Julia versus Azumi. Obviously, we know the unfortunate circumstances surrounding Mirai and Utami. And then Micah versus Mariah May. And then on the 23rd, um, we have got um, a Red Block match. Hazuki versus Suzu Suzuki. That really important Red Block match that we talked about before. And in Blue Block, Micah versus Mina Shirakawa. With Mina having quite a few matches left, she's still very much in Pardon me, the mix for this tournament. So next week, hopefully, we will have reviews of the 18th, the 20th, and the 23rd of September. All of those shows we will review next week. And maybe if it is up in time, and it's a big if, we'll be reviewing the 24th as well. As I mentioned before, we are going to be previewing New Blood and the five-star final. It will be a huge show next week, Matt. Yeah, absolutely, brother. And it's just, I'm super excited to see who wins this tournament. A lot of my favorite wrestlers, you know, are still alive in this tournament. But let's not forget, my one of my favorite all-time wrestlers did win this tournament. 
many years ago, won Io Shirai, and that is my segue, Rob Goodwin, to the Io Shirai watch from the last two weeks. We were running short on time last week, so we did not get to talk about the match that happened, I believe, on the 9th or on the 8th of September, which is Io Shirai, the current WWE Women's Champion, teaming with Bailey to take on the team of Shotzi and Charlotte Flair. We have a crazy brawl to start. Everybody goes to the outside. It reminded me of a way to tie match. Uh, Io Shirai realizes everybody's on the outside. So she hits her picture. Perfect. Asai moonsault to the floor. We get some mini heat on Shotzi. Shotzi is able to hit up a step up Instagram on the Bailey. We get the hot tag to Charlotte Flair. Charlotte comes in, chops the world, um, is able to hit the cartwheel clothesline and fall away slam onto Io Shirai. Eventually, a big melee ensues. We see Asuka appear from the crowd to distract everybody, basically allowing um, Asuka, or excuse me, allowing Shotzi to hit Bailey with uh, her cross leg. Um, I believe it's a cross leg face DDT, or cross leg DDT for the win. And that we find out setting up for two weeks, which would actually be this Friday. So the day this drops, we get the dream match, Rob Goodwin, Io Shirai defending the. I was going to say World of Stardom Championship. How about that? Defending the WWE <laughs> Women's Championship against Asuka. Um, th- this past week, Io Shirai watch, Rob. There was no Io Shirai watch. She was not on SmackDown. Michael Cole did say during the Asuka Bailey match, which was great, that Io was training for her match at Asuka. We found it a day or two later where Io was. Do you know where Io was this past week, Rob? Good one. I know exactly where Io was, Matt. She was in the middle of Tokyo. Yes, getting her picture taken to be on the front cover of Weekly Pro Wrestling Magazine. That's where she was, folks. So if she was training for a match with Asuka, maybe she visited the Stardom Dojo. Hmm, in my mind, that's what happens there. (laughs) Certainly. Excellent recap, Matt, as always. Just quickly before we sign off, I want to remind everyone that we recently announced on social media that our next interview is locked in 4th of October we are going to be interviewing Club Venus's Jesse um, I can't wait to talk all things Stardom and NXT and to find out if Mariah May does hate May Sayer as much as she says she does um, I can't wait to check that out make sure if you've got any questions you wherever you listen to us whether it's on you know whether you follow us on social media or whether you're a patron or whether you're in our discord Leave your questions and we'll try and get through as many as is humanly possible. Um, But Matt, I think it's time we sign off. Uh, I just wanted to say a huge thank you to everyone that takes the time to listen, watch, subscribe, or even just interact with us wherever you are we really massively appreciate it thank you to all of our patrons as well over at patreon.com forward slash the stardom cast you guys are awesome if you can't subscribe to the patreon for whatever reason but are looking for a way to support the show leaving a five-star review on apple podcasts um or wherever you listen to your podcast does us a huge favor because it boosts us up those podcast ratings. we've got loads on spotify now we've got loads from america so thank you to our american contingent um on apple podcasts um we honestly absolutely tremendous support so thank you if you want to follow us on social media you can at at the stardom cast um you can also subscribe to our youtube channel um at the stardom cast if you want to talk to me on twitter you can at at real rob goodwin matt turner sign us off good sir 
absolutely like rob said you guys know all the ways to support us if there's another way that you can support us you can tag myself and rob into your bipoy tweets we would really (laughs) really appreciate that it gives us a massive uh, energy boost anytime that we see you could do angry poi you could do silly poi you want to dress up as a clown and do bipoy we're all about the bipoy (laughs) movement here on the stardom cast Folks, that'll wrap it up for another fantastic episode. We greatly appreciate your support. Anything that we can do to help or anything that we that you think that we can do to improve the podcast, let us know. Because like I always say, it's just not my podcast. It's our podcast because we're all together and everybody's different. Everybody's special. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.